Lord Jesus, we are so grateful for your love for us and how you look upon us with great compassion. And we ask, Lord, that we might experience your love in a new and a fresh and a deep and a powerful way this morning as by your Spirit you open our hearts and our minds to your word, to see who you are, to uh, desire greater dependency and intimacy with you. Lord, let the stories of your people around who you are and what you have done come alive in our hearts and build us up in faith and in hope and in love this morning to the glory of the Father, Jesus, we pray in your name. Amen. Please be seated. So we continue in the Story of God message series this morning, picking up where we left off last week. God's people are in the promised land, and Joshua helps conquer the promised land, and then Joshua eventually dies. And when Joshua dies, Israel becomes ruled by judges. Now, these judges don't wear long, flowing black robes or sit on benches making legal decisions. They're gifted political and military leaders anointed by God to lead his people into his presence and his promises in the land that he has provided for them. Several notable judges that you might remember from childhood or from reading the story of God are Samson and Deborah, and in the story we're going to look at today, Gideon. The story of God continues like this. One day the Midianites swarm Israel like locusts. That's a negative Hebrew word picture moving across the land and taking everything from God's people, all the crops, all the farm animals, leaving nothing left for them. And so an angel of the Lord comes to Gideon and says this, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Gideon replies, But Lord... How can that possibly be? My clan is the weakest in the whole tribe of Manasseh, and I'm the least of my entire family. I'm a nobody. And the Lord says to him, Yes, but I am with you. I am with you. And you will destroy the Midianites as if you were fighting against only one man. Gideon, don't be afraid. You're not going to die. I'm with you. Do what I say. And begin with this. Your father has built an altar to Baal. Tear it down and build an altar to me and then offer a sacrifice to me. You know what Gideon does? Gideon trusts God and he obeys. Some time passes, and continuing to trust that the Lord is with him, Gideon gathers an army of 32,000 men. But the Lord says to Gideon, you've got too many men. 
If I give the Midianites to you now, you and all of Israel will say, we won this victory by our own power. So tell all 32,000 of those men, if you're afraid to fight, go home. I'm guessing Gideon's shaking his head, but he delivers the message. And 22,000 soldiers leave and go home. Then the Lord says to Gideon, this is still too many. Take everyone down to the river and watch carefully. And choose the soldiers who drink from the river using their hands. And send home the ones that kneel down on their knees and slurp. So 21,700 soldiers are sent home, leaving only 300 men left. And the Lord says to Gideon, Gideon, I will give you victory over the Midianites using 300 men. And so that night, Gideon does what God instructs him to do. He gives each man a trumpet and a jar with a torch inside. And when they're all in place, Gideon's men blow their trumpets and break their jars. And together they charge, shouting, the sword of the Lord and Gideon. And this totally freaks out the Midianites. I mean, they are shocked. And they completely panic. And they run away screaming in terror. Victory is the Lord's. And all the glory belongs to the Lord. And Israel worships the Lord. Like Israel, you and I have a problem. And our problem leads to defeat. Our problem oftentimes feels like a swarm of locusts are ravaging our hearts and our homes and our very existence. Amen. But our problem isn't the Midianites. Our problem is sin. Our enemy is sin and death and the devil. And we can't beat sin and we can't defeat the devil and we can't avoid death. We cannot overcome the evil that's so prevalent in our lives and in the broken and fallen world around us. We can't. But Jesus can. Jesus is bigger. Jesus is better. He is the judge of all judges. He is the ultimate mighty warrior that God sends to be with us, to fight for us, and to deliver us from evil, that we might enjoy the victory and he might receive all the glory. So you may be from a family that's not so significant. And of all the people in your family, you may be the least impressive. But in Christ Jesus, you're a mighty warrior. Against sin, the devil, and the kingdom of darkness, 
God's word promises that you are more than a conqueror through Jesus who looks at you with compassion and loves you. And that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation, including the locusts, will be able to separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus. That's who we are in Christ. Mighty warriors, more than conquerors, because in him the Lord is with us. Grace, we may not be a gigachurch. We may not even be a megachurch. And of all of the small and seemingly insignificant new churches, we may be the least. But you know what? The Lord is with us. And in Christ Jesus, we are mighty warriors. And like Gideon, we're learning to trust God. And we're obeying God. And the Lord is demonstrating his power among us, giving us unbelievable, great, fantastic, believable victory. And God's receiving all the glory. Now, today is Vision Sunday. But rather than walk you through the ministry plan, which you are welcome to pick up and encouraged to pray through and to ask the Lord, Lord, what is it that you have me doing, participating in your work among this expression of your church? Rather than, than simply expound on the ministry plan and explain what it means to be a gospel community transformed by the power of God's word, making disciples like Jesus through small groups that embrace his life together and developing kingdom leaders to live on mission. Rather than that, this morning I want to share some stories. I want to share stories that are coming out of our life together in Christ. Stories of the Lord's victorious power in our midst. This week I asked several people if they'd be willing to write their testimony of how God has been at work in their lives since they began to follow Jesus with grace. And each one has given me permission to share their testimony, to encourage you that God might use these testimonies to build up your faith and inspire you toward greater trust and obedience in Christ Jesus. Olivia's story. Olivia says, So many have loved us in the details by practicing the words of Jesus who says, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. She goes on saying, Linda got a bunch of shots so she could spend time with me during the first six months of my quarantine. Lucy and Marcus brought us communion at the hospital. Martha, Bibi, Lucy, Brian, and Matt called, texted, visited, waited, and prayed with us during my many surgeries. People we didn't even know yet lavishly loved us by bringing meals to our house. And as soon as I could, I joined a life group with other children whose complicated, vulnerable, and out-of-the-ordinary stories echo mine. The church nursery even became food allergy conscious, and it really helps me to worship on Sundays. 
And I love seeing the joy on people's faces every Sunday morning when I cruise around the fellowship hall on my new walker because no one knew I would even walk. Erin Casey really gets it, and so she always gives me a big hug. I've received so much prayer from prayers who believe that God does miracles, heals, and restores. God does. That's my story. Blessings and a fist bump. Love, Olivia. Olivia, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Lance's story. Lance writes, I was in a panic about undergoing radiation for cancer. I was lying in bed reciting the doxology when the prayers that people had posted online just started washing over me. After a time, I was enveloped by an incredible peace, and I knew that Jesus was doing his part. His people were doing their part, and both Jesus and his people would both be with me as I did my part. The joy that I experienced in the prayers of the people of grace and the cards and notes from the children of grace nurtured and sustained me during this entire time. Lance's nurse said, Lance, God gets all the credit for this one. And Lance agrees, and he'll tell you it's the second time God has given him physical healing since he's been following Jesus with grace. Lance, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Carrie Lee's story. Carrie Lee writes this, For three years I've been walking in grief and in a lot of darkness. My sister, who's going through a similar dark time, has been my anti-compass. She's turned her back on healing and walked away from life while I've pressed into my identity and welcomed inspiration from the Holy Spirit. My Grace family has been my lifeline. I've held on to you whether you knew it or not, and I've found perfect joy when I've least expected it. Grace, you keep surprising me with an insightful prayer and a generous word. And Jesus, you keep surprising me. I find you at every crossing. You are my stepping stone in the river of loneliness, so I keep going. Then I intended the D-Maker U Leadership Intensive course. It was a beautiful, redeeming, and horribly painful experience. If you haven't gone, you need to, she writes. I discovered the moments of my life where I was held by Jesus. I learned that the brokenness of my past had equipped me to empathize and understand suffering. I learned about my true identity as a redeemed daughter created to glorify the King. So I signed up for the School of Discipleship to learn how to share the gospel using God's story. And then I took it again. And I will take it again. I'm learning to speak the stories of God in the context of life. I'm learning gospel fluency, and I can't get enough of it. I've learned that God wants to use me right now. In the midst of pain and unexplainable darkness, he's calling me, not next year when I have it all together, not next month after work settles down for a while and I have time, not tomorrow when I'm more rested. God wants me to look for his quiet inspiration now. He wants me to reach out to people who hurt like I do, and he's calling me to talk to my neighbors about him and his story. Grace, he's calling you to do the same. 
even though your life isn't perfect, even though there's brokenness, even though you can't see how you are called and I am called, and peace and joy and hope come from doing what God made us to do and being who God made us to be. Carrie Lee, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Andrew's story. Andrew writes, After three years of participating in the School of Discipleship, I came to understand the origin and nature of my independent spirit. By faith, I confessed the sin that resulted from my independent spirit, and I was set free to discover a newfound freedom and joy. Andrew, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Melinda's story. Melinda writes, everyone needs a place to belong apart from the value added through performance or service. As someone in full-time ministry, I need to hear the gospel truth as I worship each week. And God is grounding my identity in Jesus and what he has done and who he has made me to be rather than my list of accomplishments. I come away from the worship gathering each week renewed rather than determined to try harder. Because of the demands of my schedule and travel, I don't have time for extra activity, even if it's spiritually beneficial. But I have a huge need for rich, authentic friendships that live gospel life together. And this is what I find in my life group, where each week we emphasize transparency and unwavering prayer support for one another. My life group speaks gospel truth and asks searching yet gentle questions to draw out what is in our hearts and what God is really doing in our lives. And we pray for each other every evening at 8 o'clock. And every week we come together, we celebrate what God has done and continues to do in the big and the small ways as he always answers our prayers. My life group is my family. So I'm grateful to be part of Grace Northridge where I'm learning to speak, believe, and live the gospel as he makes me a disciple and develops me as a kingdom leader to live on mission. Melinda, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Elizabeth's story. Elizabeth writes, Isolation placed me in a dangerous place, emotionally, physically, and spiritually. I was at a crossroads and absolutely had to put myself back in the midst of believers, So after being out of fellowship with a local church for a number of years, I started coming to Grace last April. Walking into Grace was like coming home, tired and hungry, to a warm and inviting space that smells like homemade soup and fresh bread, lovingly prepared by someone who cares for me. That's exactly how I feel every time I'm around my Grace family, and I realize it's the aroma of Christ. My experience is the joyful song of Psalm 68. Father to the fatherless, defender of widows, this is God, whose dwelling is holy. And this God places the lonely in families. He sets the prisoners free, and he gives them joy. 
our Abba Father has through his people spoken words of encouragement, exhortation, and love to me. And the last few months of 2015 were especially difficult. My own internal reserves and resources were essentially nil. But God showed up repeatedly in both big and small ways through my Grace family and carried me through the last six months through a place where I would not have had the strength to go on my own. This whole independent spirit thing has been churning up in me so much over the past few months. And honestly, I don't know that I've ever really trusted God with everything. I've been afraid. And I haven't been willing to walk in complete dependency upon him. And yet now I've begun to learn and to lean on God's promise in 2 Corinthians 12. God's grace is sufficient for me. Because God's power is made perfect in my weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly in my weakness so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. She says, I don't got this at all. But that's okay because God has got me. And so my conversations with God the last several months have involved the petition to give me his eyes and ears and to walk out his calling on my life. Whether that's praying for my patients and their families in the midst of what for many of them is the most devastating and challenging time of their life, sharing my brokenness and Jesus' amazing unbrokenness with my colleagues and friends are working in the kitchen on Sunday mornings. Basically, I feel like I've been in my own kind of spiritual critical care unit this past year and have received healing through Christ via the community of grace. Like the leper who was cleansed, I want to tell everybody who will listen. And I know he is preparing me for what is next to come. Elizabeth, mighty warrior, the Lord is with you. Serena's story. Serena writes, through the life groups, I've seen real people follow a real Jesus. People who are transparent in their daily and ugly failures as his followers, and yet simultaneously holy and beautiful in him. And as a result of their witness, and for the first time ever in a church, I've felt the freedom to be honest about who I am, while reaching and stretching for who God is calling and recreating me to be. I finally stopped rebelling against some kind of perceived authority, and I'm allowing God to love me back to who he originally created me to be before sin and the world jacked me up. Serena, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Wayne's story. Wayne writes, New Year's morning, Amy and I were told by a surgeon that I had a softball-sized tumor in my abdomen and pancreas area, that it was most likely a malignant tumor, that it was most likely terminal, and that the cancer had spread to the surrounding organs, the liver, pancreas, stomach, and duodenum, and that I had plus or minus one month to one year to live. Amy was distraught, and I was very wigged out by the fact that our girls are so young Amy would be alone with them in a town that we've only lived in for about two years, and our financial and estate planning was not in order. So we started planning out the remainder of our lives together. 
Some of our heartbreaking conversations included whether Amy, without me, would raise the girls in San Antonio or return to Chicago, remarriage, my funeral, and regret on how we had not lived fully prior to receiving this information. The stress was immense. Amy states it was the worst period in her life and she'd never cried so hard before. And yet in the midst of all the chaos, we both felt an urgency to love each other fully and others around us like never before. Our faith was strengthened huge as we were stripped down to the realization that absolutely nothing else matters but God and his purposes for our lives. The surgeon stood by his belief that I had a very serious cancer that was in stage four and had spread to my eternal organs. I'd been close to six days without any nutrition and my stomach being continually pumped through an NG tube. I'd lost 25 pounds, was quite weak, and felt like my body was eating itself. We changed doctors and hospitals, and a biopsy of the large mass was taken. The initial results indicated the tumor was malignant. It was Amy's and my 15th wedding anniversary. We were heartbroken, absolutely crushed. On day eight, I was scheduled for surgery to remove the tumor, including portions of my stomach, pancreas, small intestine, and surrounding tissues. The lead surgeon called six senior surgeons who specialized in various areas of medicine during the surgery uh, to try and figure out this mass. And they cited they had over 300 years of experience in the OR that day based on the attending surgeon's presence, and yet no one had ever seen anything like it before. The abdominal mass ended up being mostly inoperable due to the fact that it was attached to vital blood vessels. And so the surgeon biopsied four large areas for further testing and removed only a small portion. Then the pathological report came back and stated the tumor was benign. The exact opposite of the initial testing and diagnosis. God did a miracle. And not just one. God did a miracle by renewing and strengthening our marriage. God did miracles as he poured out his incredible love through so many people who took care of our kids, gave us food, drove Amy to and from the hospital, flew across the country, prayed without ceasing, visited us, sent us encouraging notes, texts, and emails, told others about our situation who gathered prayer support on our behalf. God was glorified in my suffering and healing using my story to transform the lives of others. Wayne concludes with this prayer. So, Father, with happy committal, I give you my life again today, not for anything special, but simply to let you know that I regard it as yours. Do with it as it pleases you, only give me great grace to do for the glory of Christ Jesus whatever comes to me. He says that will be Amy's and my prayer until the day God brings us home to glory. Wayne, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Tim's story. 
Tim writes this, Ever since I started following Jesus with grace last summer, I've been genuinely loved. I've grown in prayer. I've been encouraged in my faith, and I've developed as a leader. He says, Jesus says, All people will know that you are my disciples by the love you have for one another. And one of the first things that struck me when I first visited Grace Northridge was the genuine love, joy, and hospitality I felt from the community. As someone who is easily tempted to be self-absorbed and look at the church primarily as a consumer, the people here have helped me to see how the church is not just a Sunday morning event, but a living body walking in the Spirit and pouring itself out in love. I'm grateful for the Elzingas who have been walking with me through a transition in my life. I'm grateful for the Philias who invited me to their home and prayed over me. I'm grateful for so many others who have shared not only the gospel, but their very lives with me. It's easy at times to feel like I don't fit in, but the love and encouragement of so many has constantly proven otherwise. Tim says, seminary gave me an academic theological training, but it didn't help me develop a strong prayer life. But being a part of grace these past few months has shown me what it means for the church to be a house of prayer. When man works, man works. But when man prays, God works. Grace clearly believes this. And the prayer ministry teams on Sundays have been a huge encouragement in times when I really needed it. On Sundays and in my life group, I'm finding my place in God's story rather than trying to fit God into my own. The pastors help me see Jesus throughout Israel's story reminding me of the truth of the gospel and showing me how I can live in grateful response by faith and in the power of the Holy Spirit. And week after week, through the preaching and the liturgy, I'm thrust into a story so much more exciting than my own, one that not only encourages me but challenges me to bring the life and light of Jesus to whatever situation I'm in. Finally, he writes, the preaching cohort is a group of godly, gifted, grateful, and very goofy leaders. <laughs> I believe that in many ways you become who you spend your time with, and this group is a great group to be around. Sometimes I think to myself, maybe I can become more like Jesus just by hanging out with them more. And as someone who is really trying to discern what's next, they've modeled spirit-filled love and leadership that always seeks to make room for others. Being around them every Tuesday for the last three months has both challenged and encouraged me in my walk with God and how I understand myself as a leader in his kingdom. Tim, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Last one, Hannah's story. Hannah writes, I was just recovering from a suicide attempt. I was lost in sin, angry, and actively outspoken against the very concept of God. I was hostile to love, grace, and even kindness. I wanted nothing to do with Christians or their God. My feelings were based on depth of depravity I had seen seep from every corner of the church. And then a young woman from Grace met my anger, my bitterness, and my self-destruction head-on by accepting me where I was and pouring out what it truly means to love unconditionally. 
I was then invited to visit her life group, where again, I experienced an unconditional love and acceptance, even in my angry train wreck of a life. So I started coming to the worship gatherings, arms crossed, scowling in the back row, determined not to let God use the most real people I've ever met penetrate my hardened heart. But they did, and God did. And now there is a light like no other in my heart, forever a song on my lips, even while Christ still fixes my train wreck. Hannah, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. These are the stories of God's presence and power and promises in our midst. This is the story that God is writing on our hearts and through our lives, demonstrating the victory that we have in Christ Jesus, and all the glory belongs to God. In the book of Revelation, there is a scene where People from every tribe and tongue and nation are around the throne of God, worshiping the Lamb of God, Jesus, who is at the center of all things, holding all things together. And a question is asked, how did all of these people get here? And the answer is, they triumphed by the blood of the Lamb, and by the word of their testimony. And because they didn't love their lives so much as to shrink from death. Grace, as we begin a new year together, as an expression of the local church, as we follow Jesus with grace and the, and the power of the Holy Spirit to the glory of the Father, the Lord is with us. In Christ Jesus, we are mighty warriors. The victory and all the glory belongs to him. And so the question becomes, as we begin anew, will we continue to trust God and obey God and walk in the victorious purposes that God has planned and prepared for us from long ago. Yes. Yes. Let's pray. Lord, you are with us. And we cast down the aisles of our lives and worship you alone. And we thank you that in Christ Jesus we are mighty warriors and more than conquerors and nothing can separate us from your love for us and him. And as we come to the table this morning, as we come to your son through the bread and the wine, pour out your spirit upon us and strengthen our faith and encourage us from the inside out to continue to trust you and to obey you. And Lord, please 
Keep demonstrating your power among us, giving us great victory and receiving all the glory as you continue to grow us up as a gospel community, making disciples and developing kingdom leaders to live on mission. We surrender your Lord. We surrender to you. In Jesus' name, amen.